Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Spider Sense Tingling. Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your Spider Sense Tingling? Yeah, and I'm actually about to go on a pretty long journey, so I'm going to kind of need your plasma to sustain me. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No problem. I've got plenty <laughs> to listen to this show. Find us on 4iradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit Revenge Lover. Dot com. And of course, we'd like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons who donate their plasma to us. <laughs> Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, Jason, Zoe, and Bread. JK, they're not doing that. We're not demanding plasma. <laughs> I mean, unless you're into that, I guess we'll I mean, if you want to give it can... to us, I suppose we'll find something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, you could turn that around for some good money. There's plasma donation centers and you just be like, hey, you want some of this? Here's a free bag for you. Does a plasma facial work with other people's plasma, or does it only work with your own? What the fuck is a plasma facial? Where did this come from? It's pretty much what it sounds like. They, like, draw your blood, they take the plasma out, they put your red stuff back, uh, and then they, like, slather your plasma all over your face. Like, I can understand the concept of, like... Rich people taking like bathing in like virgin blood or whatever because like it's other people's blood, but like why your own? You're just taking it out of your body and like putting it right back on you. Like it doesn't make sense. How would that do anything? I don't know. I- I'm not rich enough to get one. <laughs> I have no idea. It contains growth factors and other proteins that promote healing on a cellular level. <laughs> Thanks, sure. first result on Google. Okay. Morbius was on to something. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hi, it's I, us. <laughs> I feel like it's wrong. Yeah, that's all wrong, but whatever. We're here. Um, yeah, we are. I'm 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 actually I'm ex- this is a really goofy episode actually, so I think yeah. it's probably fair to start this off in a goofy way cuz it's yeah. pretty I just, this feels like a throwback episode in a lot of ways. I'm like this feels right out of like Spider-Woman or an 80s show or something like that in I'm some I'm super ways. into it. Yeah. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, just like a hairbrain scheme. Yeah, and vampires with lasers. We've seen those before. On, I didn't know that mm-hmm. would come up more than once on our Spider-Man podcast, but here we are. Yeah. Across various <laughs> series, you know? Not even just the weirdest ones. Also, I right. love a plot to turn everyone into some sort of monster. That's always welcome oh, in my book. It's always fun. Yeah, I think that's what makes it feel so throwbacky. Like That really just feels like such an old school, just mm-hmm. an old school plot. It doesn't, like, yeah. it really doesn't fit in with the show at all, but it's like, you know what? I'm here for it. It's such a nice, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a weird swerve for this show to take, but like, I guess all the pieces are there for a vampire turning people into vampires with a laser story. So sure, well, I guess we're going for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm along yeah. for the ride, baby. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Uh, well, this episode is available on Disney Plus as usual. The episode we're talking about is Spider-Man, the animated series, season four, episode seven, entitled Partners in Danger, chapter seven, The Vampire Queen. Where are you, Michael? Is it wrong for me to hope you're still alive? <gasps> Sorry, Spider, but I can't face you. Not until I sort out my feelings for you. And Michael... I don't get it. Morbius hasn't attacked anybody for days. He's out there. He must be starving. I am so weak. But I will not destroy you or anyone else just to feed myself. Even if it means... Morbius. I am Miriam. I too am a vampire. And I have come a long way for you. Spider-Man! What happened here? Three of them, barely conscious. Severe plasma depletion. Morbius. The readings are strong. Nosferatu. Put the guard down, Morbius! You're not! This sunburst grenade will end your plasma training days! This locket that she once possessed has proven to me that she is Miriam, my mother. Blade? Look into my eyes. See that I know the truth. The synopsis per IMDb is Blade's mother, the vampire queen, spoiler, has come to New York and is hoping to transform her everyone into vampires. <laughs> I got me to face it back car moving noises. <laughs> Robot. <laughs> But we're not done yet because to stop her, Blade, Black Cat, and Spider-Man will need Morbius's help. Wow. The original air date was May 17th, 1997. Story by John Semper and teleplay by John Semper and Meg McLaughlin, who we are very familiar with. Yes. My favorite Avengers team, Blade, Black Cat, Spider-Man, and Morbius. (laughs) (laughs) Some kind of team. I read the comic. Yeah, sure. And I love that they're like, they're all like all characters that are like clad in like black and dark blue. And then you have Spider-Man who's like bright red. (laughs) But I mean, okay, very true aesthetically, but you have a vampire, a black cat, a spider and a vampire. Like it all works. Oh, yeah. They're all kind of like a little Halloween offshoot of the uh, of some sort of team, you know? That's so true. It's yeah, cute. They're very Halloween. It's cute. They're cute. Little, yeah. <laughs> this should have aired around Halloween instead of in May. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's favorite alternative Halloween, May 17th. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you mentioned her, Miriam, uh, the vampire queen, is introduced and certainly highlighted in this episode. And she is voiced by Nichelle Nichols, uh, which is so fucking awesome. She's um, having so much fun in this episode, too. Like, as, she's so good. Oh, <laughs> we are blessed. We are so blessed that she was like, yes, and like, went for it. Because uh, yeah, it's, they're like, it's so much fun. You're playing a classical vampire, and she's like, I know. I, 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 I understand the assignment fully. <laughs> and I watched this and was like, I'm gay. <laughs> as a child, this is when it happened, was watching Nichelle Nichols as Miriam. <laughs> 
Um, if you don't know who Nichelle Nichols is, she portrayed Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek, the original one, um, and its subsequent movies. And she's a huge deal. I mean, in addition to the stuff that she's done in entertainment, she created Women in Motion, Inc., which was an organization responsible for recruiting thousands of black, uh, indigenous people of color, uh, women and men both to work for NASA and work with NASA. Um, so this is kind of a huge so cool. deal because she was doing this pretty early in her career and Star Trek was on in the 60s. So um, mm. kind of awesome. Actually, super awesome. <laughs> like it's yeah, actually I didn't really realize incredible. that that was so that was like in the 70s that she was probably doing this is when it was happening. I believe originally? so. I mean, That's I don't why, know. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I don't I didn't find like that women in motion Inc was necessarily like still an active thing. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if it was like an initiative that she started just to like create this relationship with NASA, but yeah, Yeah. I mean, she's been recognized for this initiative to like diversify NASA as a staff. Um, and like just as an entity, which is so cool. Um, and like, it's not hard to find stories of people citing her specifically as like an inspiration for getting into, uh, like specifically NATO or NASA or just like space or aeronautics or being an astronaut. Uh, the first black woman in space, Mae Jemison, specifically cites Nichelle Nichols as, um, like her portrayal on Star Trek as one of the things that like really pushed her and encouraged her to become an astronaut. One of the things that told her like. You know, I'm a I'm this black girl who's interested in space. Can I do this? Oh yes, I can because I see Lieutenant Uhura on screen being a badass black woman in space. You know, like oh, it's awesome. So cool. Nichelle Nichols that's fucking so... rules. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so great. I love it. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a cool lady she was. I know. I know. Yeah. And we get her here as a vampire with psychic powers. <laughs> yeah. And like who is not phoning it in at all. She's no. like sporting like a fucking sporting a fucking mullet and just like flying yeah. around just like shooting people with mm-hmm. vampire lasers like goddamn like she she just I just I I didn't I didn't and I didn't realize it was her when I watched this the first time. I don't no, think. No, me neither. Um cuz again, she's like putting on a real like a genuine performance and like like she didn't have like it's 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 perfect too cuz it's like this episode kind of calls for a hammy performance and yet it still doesn't go over the top. Like it's just sort of like uh, yeah, that's kind of what I would expect no. a vampire queen to sound like, actually. <laughs> What's so funny is it's not, like, despite the description and despite some of the things that happen in this episode, it's not like a campy episode. It's just, like, a really fun, weird vampire story with just, yeah. like, characters that are kind of, like, doing more than the, you know, more than average, you know? It's right. not so it is... over the top or, like, weird that you're, like, not sure whether to take it seriously. Like, it's sincere. It's just ridiculous in its concept (laughs) yeah that's actually really that is a good way to put it actually i think that's a a good clarification to make like if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it a long time like it is sort of i think a thing that makes the episode fascinating to me is that yeah it's not a campy episode there's like camp stuff that happens in it like camp things like we get to the fucking nightclub but like (laughs) the like but the actual episode itself it is not like a campy tone everything is generally played straight it's but Mm -hmm. then almost like makes it weirder that they are playing some of this camp straight and it kind of yeah like it almost doesn't make sense in my head but it's like but it's camp but it's not so what is it yeah and it really it's It's just ultimately it's just like weird comic book shit but like 
I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think I, uh, I enjoy by the end of this episode, I enjoy, I, I enjoy it I, how more than I thought that I would. And like mm-hmm. kind of every time I've revisited, I've like forgotten how fun it is, especially in its last half. I think once it like yeah. gets through all the setup and just sort of goes through all the madness of it. Yeah. It's, it's a really bizarre one and, and I really like it a lot. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> let's, yeah, uh, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. <laughs> So this episode opens with Black Cat. Once again, we open with Black Cat, which I love. Um, and and she's reflecting on the events of the previous episode. Uh, oh my gosh. She is reflecting on the events of the previous episode. I couldn't get through one sentence. Um, and as she reckons with the reality that she'll inevitably hurt either Spider-Man or Morbius as she attempts to sort out her feelings and attempts to kind of figure out what to do about the whole Morbius on the loose situation. Ultimately, she wonders aloud for us, since when did my new powers come with so much responsibility? (laughs) Okay. Okay, Felicia. So we're getting closer and closer. This isn't even the first time we've heard her sort of like spin on this, but like closer and closer to just her straight up saying uh, with great power, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Which, I mean, you know what? I think like this is technically the end of the Black Cat arc of this season, I think. So like this, this is her departure episode um at least like for now right so like it does kind Mm -hmm. of make sense to sort of having been tracking like she's gradually learning the great power responsibility thing so it does make sense that she's eventually gonna actually land on it right before that right before she's like i guess a full-fledged hero and then leaves you know um yeah sort of does her real departure thing so like it makes sense her origin story right essentially yeah um, also, I guess her black cat's name is Bujums. I thought that that was her pet name for Morbius, but I think she directly calls her cat Bujums in this episode, <laughs> which is fun. Maybe she, she just takes... calls everyone that she loves Bujums. That's kind of fun. Yeah. I, I mean, sure. <laughs> it would be very funny to have the same pet name for like your cat and your boyfriend. It's a little bit confusing. I'm sure there are plenty of people who do. <laughs> yeah. It feels a little weird the more I think about it, but I guess if it works for you. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> oh, but that is also confirmation that that isn't supposed to be. Um, um, oh, shoot. Now I'm Fogarty. drawing a blank on the cat's name. Fogarty. Fogarty. Yeah, Fogarty. Yeah, yeah. 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 Since we were wondering that. Right. <laughs> but anywho, she swings off and we get a brief bit of Spider-Man's inner monologue in which he wonders if he'll ever see Black Cat again um, and if he should have embraced her as a partner sooner, especially now that he's vampire hunting and could use a Captain America strength hero by his side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Like fucking finally, really. But also uh, the exact wording of the line that he says when he's modeling, he says, maybe I should have been more encouraging. And I'm just flashing back to him literally telling her to give up. And I'm like, Fuck yeah, off, you think? Give up. You think? You it's think, not buddy? Worth it. You think you should have been more encouraging? Like, it took you a while. I, I'm glad you finally eventually landed on it. But mm-hmm. yeah, yes, yes, Good yes. Read. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Glad you finally came to the realization, uh, but a little bit too late, but sh- sh- I'm glad yeah, that's growth, I guess, question mark. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, so speaking of vampires, somewhere in Europe, and probably days prior, based on when events happen in this episode, unless maybe Miriam <laughs> flies really, 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 really fast. So um, fast. 
Yeah, Blade stops a woman he calls Night Stalker from draining the plasma from a well-dressed chubby friend. Um, plasma, she see it, She says she needs to sustain her on a long, long journey. Um, I know why it's censorship, but it is very funny to have just like a actual real straight up played straight vampire with fangs that flies undead from the night. Still referring to plasma instead of blood. It is just very I funny. I know. It's so funny. <laughs> We need yeah, to there's stop also, this. Come on. <laughs> I know. Like, I understand. And I understand. You know, it's not the writer's fault that that was what they were required to do. But, like, it is just funny because it's sort of like kids know what the word blood is. Like, come on. Like, we knew I, what I vampires were. Right. Like, right. Everybody knew some kid who dressed as a vampire for Halloween when they were like six. I was blood one is of also them. Like, <laughs> blood is also like a clinical word. Like, I know it's like. Right. I understand not showing the blood, and I could even understand not showing her. Not biting saying people. like suck blood, like if right. they don't reference actually consuming it, but just say like I need your blood. Right, that but, feels but, like two hey, different things. Right, and it's like, hey, you know what the lyrics of your theme song are that are played on every single episode? <laughs> spider blood, spider blood, radio- radioactive so it's like, spider plasma, right? <laughs> right it's just it's so it, it is weird like i i, I yeah i like, i understand certain circumstances but it's like she i don't know i guess they, they draw the line is at like just anything referring to the concept of stealing someone else's blood as a plasma i guess it's just like it yeah. is very silly it's like it's literally a vampire from a, any like no kid's gonna be scared by this either like it's it's just very silly yeah um and also like there's a, a weird thing later on in the episode where it's just sort of like oh it doesn't work based on the vampire restrictions that they have but i'll we'll get to that when we get to that um but yeah so she's gonna suck plasma from this guy uh to sustain her on a journey she chases uh blade chases her to and through a castle but she ultimately escapes him but she does leave behind a copy of the daily bugle um which is so funny that she was she's just a subscriber <laughs> carrying around she's in another country like is the daily bugle a an international newspaper like how did she get a copy of all. this first of all um <laughs> like can how easily could you find like a copy of the new york times if you're in europe like I, in 1997 that's actually like, a great I question I don't right know. i am i am curious about that because it is possible to get like international newspapers like some places you go will have like a newspaper from another country sometimes but it's like mm-hmm. it's not like super easy and i feel like if you're like a fucking vampire in the middle of the night like i don't know and, like did she just stumble on this daily bugle does she check every new york newspaper every so often like i many questions i have no idea. um <laughs> it's really only and, and actually it shouldn't matter anyway because i think that she was sensing morbius anyway whatever it's for blade it's so blade knows what's going on that's the only reason that's here yeah uh, so she blade left a clue for blade basically <laughs> so blade knows to blade knows uh Blade knows, like, uh, the Daily Bugle article is about Morbius. Uh, so cool. Um, she also leaves yep. behind a part of an amulet, which, like, if you're watching for the first time, you have no fucking idea what that means or why Blade suddenly screams, no, and then it cuts to commercial. Zero context for any of that. Yeah. <laughs> this amulet, everyone's favorite amulet. Right, right. It's The it's, amulet it's very, from lore. It's very funny. Yeah. Can we talk about her outfit, please? Can we pause to talk yeah, about her yeah, outfit? Yeah. Sure. Because sure. <laughs> it is so funny to me. It looks, she kind of looks like a pirate that had a career change, you know? Like, <laughs> she's got like, she's first off, she's wearing beautiful purple slacks, but she's also got like high boots and this weird like ruffly shirt. And I feel like if you took the cape off and just like gave her a sword and maybe like a sash or something, oh she'd yeah. just look like a pirate. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? That's a really good point. Yeah, like they're trying to do, you know, just sort of like an old timey costume. Mm-hmm. Like I get that. But yeah, the ruffle shirt is very <laughs> distinct for sure. So funny. She's also wearing like full on like like elbow length fisting gloves. I don't know what the fuck those are supposed to be. <laughs> Yep. It's like really conspicuous purple gloves and her hair is fantastic. Like they 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 make her hair like appropriately like textured hair which is cool but it's also a mullet. <laughs> it's so funny. It feel I mean it's 1997 I guess. It's 1997 and it's mm-hmm. this show. Like you know they love a mullet on this show but Yeah, I want to yeah. see like a really good like dragged up cosplay of Miriam from Spider-Man the animated series. Uh, that's oh, what you I want to see. I fully expect to see that on the next season of Drag Race. Are you kidding me? Like that's one hundred percent. They had to ban it actually because someone did it every season. Mm-hmm. Sometimes too you know yeah. too many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it is a wild yeah. costume. It's it. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. It's it's, it's cool it's cape choice. Yeah, I love the cape for sure. Kids could, I mean, you know what? If you're going to do a vampire queen, she's got to have a cape. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So true, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, back in New York, Black Cat is eluding Spidey. Uh, they, you know, they almost like cross paths. Um, but she's like, oh, oh, I can't. I can't face him right now while I'm dealing with my stuff. But they're both they're both doing the same thing. They're both just searching for Morbius. Uh, but an important thing to know is that he hasn't actually been killing people. They, at least as far as they know, there's been like no signs of people drained of their plasma in the last few days, which means that Morbius is just out there like starving somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, which Black Cat knows. Black Cat is like he must be he must be like basically starving to death. Right. Right. So who's dramatically monologuing? Is Spider-Man dramatically monologuing? Everybody dramatically monologues. Oh god! I just see your note. Your note just says, "As he dramatically monologues, I guess because it's that previous sentence refers to Black Cat, Spidey, and Morbius. It's more. Oh, so Morbius is dramatically monologuing. Okay, I guess they all do it, so it really doesn't matter. Everyone's dramatically monologuing. But 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 no, actually that actually that is important to note though because we also do see Morbius specifically like. Yes, he is very hungry and very weak and has an opportunity to feed on a guy and, like, chooses not to. So we know that he is at a point where he is making a conscious choice to not do the previous Morbius thing of, like, giving in to his uh, vampiric desires and stuff. So that is uh, that is important uh, because uh, the woman who escaped Blade earlier approaches him now in New York, which is why it's sort of like, well, that previous scene, unless she can literally teleport, must have been days ago, because she is now in New York, um, yeah. shows up to Morbius and is like, hey, Morbius, so I'm like Miriam. I'm like this cool vampire. You know me. You know me. And, and she's like, I can sense you because I'm a vampire and you're a vampire. And he's like, okay, this is weird. I'm going to leave. And she's like, no, I'm going to use my psychic powers to pull the information about the new genic recombinator out of your mind. And he's like... Okay, well, still, I'm going to go. And then he leaves. And she's like, got all I need. So she heads out for the Neogenic Recombinator. Vampire after science. A science vampire versus a vampire who's interested in science. Yeah, I love, I love, (laughs) and we know why. We've already talked about it. But I love that this show just can't have, like, a, a classic vampire. So every vampire is, like, a weird, different version of a 
science or psychic vampire like yeah. <laughs> like none of them are just like oh, what you expect yeah. they're all some oh, sort of yeah. weird twist on a vampire or like a half vampire <laughs> right oh she she do be using that telepathy and telekinesis in this episode mm-hmm. quite a bit that's pretty much all she does actually yeah. really doesn't do any other vampire things other than no. read people's minds throw stuff with her mind and fly around i guess like the mind yeah. control is a vampire thing but it's like full-on like professor x mind control in this episode honestly so <laughs> i love it though i love it yeah. so much like truly queen behavior like she's not lifting a finger she's just throwing shit around with her psychic abilities you know i guess <laughs> technically so she carries the recombinator around but whatever <laughs> yeah as she flies <laughs> Yeah, it's such a we- it is such a weird combination for her though, because like the look of her, obviously they're trying to go for throwbacky classical vampire. Michelle Nichols's performance is intentionally throwbacky classical vampire, mm-hmm. but then like all the stuff she does is like her eyes glow green as she floats things around with her mind, and she finds a laser. Like it's it's such a weird like contrast that they pull yeah. with her. It's it's, it's really funny bizarre. because they can't. I mean, they can't. This is going to be the most ridiculous thing I've said. They can't overcomplicate this. <laughs> so they oh, can't, can't change. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so they can't okay. make her like truly a different kind of vampire. But essentially, she's just like, I guess, a chi vampire or an energy vampire. But they can't like <laughs> introduce a whole new like energy source for vampires. So she still talks about plasma. But if you think about it, like that's really all she is. Like she's just feeding off of energy mm. and like she's a psychic, you know, like. That all makes sense to me, but sure, yeah, I it's like all about plasma on this show. Yeah, yeah, the ultimate energy plasma. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it turns out the information she pulled about the neogenic recombinator is actually Deborah's research, uh, because we had me cut to Deborah Clay and Flash trying to kind of process everything that went down in the last episode, including like you know they tried to help Morbius, but then obviously the Lur- the Landon no the Herbert Foundation which was owned by Herbert Landon, like, you know, they were actually bad guys. So like that wasn't real funding. And once he's out of the picture, they don't have any funding. So they basically like got involved in the shit and then can't do anything about it at this point. So understandably Mm -hmm. frustrating for Deborah, especially. And then to make matters worse, Miriam arrives and does like, it doesn't even skip a beat. She immediately just uses her hypnosis and, and like mind controls Deborah to tell her where, uh, you know, where the, the information about the neogenic recombinator came from or where the, where the neogenic recombinator, could possibly be she's just like mm-hmm. herbert landon herbert landon and she's like all right cool i got it and she goes to him so very yeah. very yeah very quick and simple she doesn't she doesn't really she doesn't mince words or anything she doesn't even try to talk to him or scare him or anything she's just sort of like i'm here this is what i need all right cool <laughs> yeah there are several scenes in this episode that are like seconds long <laughs> like well, this is I mean, very efficient in me- i mean i know this show moves fast but this one especially there are just moments where it's like i'm gonna go to her and i'm gonna get this name then i'm gonna go to here and i'm gonna get this piece of information then i'm gonna go to this third location i'm gonna do this thing then i'm gonna like it's just it doesn't I mean, it's not bad like they're very they're very efficient with the way that they're doing things um yeah but there's it, a lot it just is like happening all right straightforward <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like this one and then the next one, too, are I do kind of get the sense that it's like I can kind of feel that they are running out of time in this series specifically because both this episode and the next one, I could very easily have seen the stories like split into like two episodes. Like a oh, yeah. And I think Big that time. it would have if it was being made in season two, because even as fast as this show mm-hmm. moves, like think about how 
how drawn out the Morbius stuff that season was. And this one, it's sort of like, there are so many subplots in this episode. It is ridiculous. Like this, like, like, I know we haven't gotten everything yet, but this is like, this is another blade crossover. This is a blade like lore episode. This is a Morbius resolution episode. This is the end of black cats arc. (laughs) And then we still have any loose ends tied to the Morbius. We have Terry Lee and blades, uh, uh, relationship in this episode is addressed. And then we still have Spider-Man and his relationship with black cat is like heavily addressed in this episode. And then, yeah, you still got like Deborah flash and clay in like, as like a satellite kind of floating around there too. And it's like, there's like five or six different story arcs, storylines and story threads happening in this episode that all have to like reach some kind of conclusion by the end of it. And this is already a show that like already moves fast and already is like shorter than your average show happening at the time. Like it's bananas actually. (laughs) Wild though. I mean, you certainly can make the argument that like the speed at which this is moving and the amount they pack into a really short period of time, as opposed to a allowing for it to breathe is like you know a, a, a negative critique of this episode in particular but they are remarkably efficient with all of those storylines like they they have to resolve so much over the course of these 19 minutes and i think they kind of do like it's it's pretty incredible yeah. like I, it's yeah. not a show that that when we were talking deeply in the first season or even the second season i would have thought they could have resolved this much efficiently and relatively satisfyingly over the course of 19 minutes i mean really the thing that's not satisfying is just that like i could have used twice as much just because it's fun yeah you know yeah yeah i yeah i will i'll see how i feel at the end of it i'm still i don't know how satisfied i am with the black cat stuff by the end of this episode but i that's think like fair, all yeah. all the vampire related stuff like is i'm i'm surprised at how invested and then satisfied i am once they wrap up everything vampire and even Terry Lee related by the end of it, Mm -hmm. um, considering how much they're juggling, but seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) Also, um, it's so funny to me that Deborah flash and clay are like, they're in this episode, right? Like you said, they're sort of a satellite to things going on, but they're not like a massive part of this episode. Like Deborah's important to moving things forward, but almost sort of like as a passive figure, but yeah. the image on IMDb that somebody chose to represent this episode is a picture of Clay. <laughs> so like, funny. They... And there's a part of me that's like, did you think that was Blade? <laughs> yeah, like, was that a racism thing, maybe? Did you think I, this I... black man in a green polo was Blade? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. It could also be an I don't I don't know. It might be like an auto choice thing. Like if there's like multiple yeah. stills uploaded and that just happened to be the first one and just no one switched the order or whatever. That probably is what. It Who is. knows? I've, I've never done edits like that on IMDb, so I'm not sure. But no clue. That's my that's funny my hope. nonetheless I, to me. I hope that it's not intentional. <laughs> yeah, I hope that wasn't intentional. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hope that it was intentional, but specifically someone just loves Clay. And was Maybe. like, hell yeah, it's Clay. <laughs> hell yeah, it's Clay. Yep. Our boy. It's our boy. Our fave. <laughs> so now that she has the Herbert Landon info, Miriam shows up at the hospital where Landon is being cared for, which like does confirm, I think we weren't sure in the last episode, but like it does confirm like Morbius did suck Landon's plasma. Fuck him up, yeah. <laughs> she did fuck him up. I Landon just... is literally in the hospital. Did yeah. they... In the original Morbius episodes, they showed him putting hands on people, right? Or am I they just did. making that up? No, they, I, yeah, they, well. 
Because they don't in any of these yeah, episodes that we've talked about they do. Morbius or Miriam. They keep they, cutting away. Yeah, they did show him at least putting his hand on people and they would do close-ups of his butthole hands and stuff. Um, right, and they then they would even... just like flash lights on them, right? Isn't that basically what it was? It was like general yeah. energy flashing around their body or something weird? Um, no, I don't think the energy thing. I think you're thinking of like Vulture and Carnage doing that kind of stuff. Oh, that makes sense. Um, but like, they would usually just like cut there was away never a question of whether or not he had, you know, put yeah. his hands on. Because it was always, it, I think, yeah, because it was always clear exactly what he was doing. He would put his hands on people, and then his suckers would suck stuff out of their arms. So like, yeah, and yeah, you never see that happen. Um, I understand, obviously, they don't want to show Miriam biting people because I guess that's considered more violent or whatever. But, like, it's weird that, yeah, you don't see him using his hands. Then again, though, he really only has, like, one opportunity to do it. He does it to Landon in that episode, but he, like, never even attempts to do it in this mm-hmm. one at all because he is abstaining. So it could just be a coincidence. Like, maybe that was just, like, because that was in the middle of action in that episode, you know? Yeah. Um It's just funny to me because even the way that they represent Morbius doing it, it's not like you see a transfer of blood. It's never like dripping plasma. Like they kind of almost hope that kids don't even know that it's like a liquid coming from your body. I didn't even know if as a kid I necessarily knew what plasma was, you know? So like they could literally just have (laughs) Miriam just like absorb energy from people without explaining anything. She could do it psychically, you know? It's just funny that like they used to show it quote explicitly but in these past couple episodes i've had to be like wait a second okay is this did it happen and you almost have to like wait for the result to confirm that what you thought happened happened (laughs) yeah yeah some people maybe even got tighter on it i don't know um possible grow up i know it's so silly get a life nerds Just the most yeah. generic, like, ribbing of these random people I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is silly and stupid and annoying, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Kids like but yeah, scared. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Totally derailed the Landon is in the hospital <laughs> part of oh, this conversation. The thing that we deeply care the most about is that Herbert Landon <laughs> is in the hospital. Yeah. That's what we're all here for. But she reads his mind, finds out that the Recombinator is with Kingpin. Um, but I love how they play it because, like, you don't really know exactly what's going on. She, like, reads his mind, gets the information, and then you just cut to Kingpin, like, walking out of an alligator and being like, what? And then you just cut to, like, where the <laughs> recombinator once was is just gone. And it's just, like, sparks around. Like, she literally, like, it's ripped, like she ripped it off, it of, off like, the, the arm. Hinges. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Like a mic on an arm and you just ran away with the mic. Like, it's basically yeah. what she did. <laughs> right, so right. funny. I'm like, I'm glad that thing, I guess, like works on battery or solar powder power or something because she just rips it straight out and then is able to use it later just like a laser. So doesn't have well, to install it anymore anything. Maybe. You know? Yeah. She still goes yeah. to get some parts, I think. Yeah. I like the idea of this like old ancient vampire Miriam, like just using, just like fixing a little, using like, I don't know, I don't know <laughs> doing some tinkering on a device. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. Why not? Like, Working on a little gizmo. Miriam can do anything. Yeah, sure. <laughs> she is Nichelle Nichols, actually. So it right, out. right. She's from the future. <laughs> She's not from the past. <laughs> yeah. So back at Deborah's lab, Black Cat's watching a conversation between Spider-Man and Terry Lee, who we haven't seen her in like a really long time. I Hell like. yeah, Terry Lee. I don't even... Have we seen her since like the Daredevil episodes? Daredevil? I don't, I don't think so. 
At least not in a significant capacity, I don't think. Oh, man. I don't think we have. So if we have, it like, had to have been like a very brief appearance. Yeah. Definitely not this season. Um, no. So it's been a while. And she shows up. And, you know, obviously, like, one of the one of the biggest arcs that she had was tied up in the Morbius and played stuff. So mm-hmm. it makes sense for her to show up here. And when Morbius is around, she's like, I've dealt with this guy before. I'm going to find him and stop him for good. Um, and Damn. that's only heightened because she has good reason to because she believes that he is the one who attacked Deborah Clay and Flash because they have apparently been depleted of their plasma. So, of course, Fuck. ergo, they assume it's Morbius. Now, one thing that I like. I, I like that they do this. I love the like if they're throwing in another vampire. So, of course, it, it's happening at the same time that Morbius is like trying to reform. So it's like a perfect, you know, perfect typical story, right? Like mm-hmm. he's trying to reform and then he gets mistaken for another vampire. Uh, you know, of course, they're going to assume it's him. It's a great, yeah. uh, a great uh, complication in the plot. The The only issue is like. He is a butthole hands vampire and Miriam's supposed to be a classic <laughs> vampire. So like I don't think it would have been that hard for them to see that they have like bite marks on their neck. Like I feel like people would have noticed that before they realized they would have seen that visually before what? even like doing any tests to realize they were depleted of their plasma, which would have clued in that there's something different going on here potentially. Do we know for sh- I know she has fangs, but like do we know for sure she doesn't have butthole hands? She's got those gloves on. God, I oh I hope not i don't want her to <laughs> that like kind of ruins her a little bit for me no no way <laughs> i don't want her to have the butthole hands <laughs> i want her to bite people she's an old school vampire i want her to bite people too i do too does that mean blade has butthole hands too though because he's part no, he's, vampire he's a half he vampire so half he has vampires- one butthole on the bottom of each of his feet you know <laughs> you're making it worse how are you how did you make it worse what do you mean we love butthole hands <laughs> I don't understand why you're suddenly turning on the butthole hands. What? I don't. Am I? I I don't like. I don't like. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't like this. (laughs) That is a good point, though. Like, I do think you're right in that she is implied to just be a classic vampire who bites instead of lays hands on. Um, So, yeah, in, in that world where, I mean, they really get away with it because they don't show any of. like vampire stuff happening so like based on what we get to see we are supposed to just sort of not think about that yeah it's sort of like she did vampire things they see that their vampire things done to them they assume the other vampire did it like that's as far as as you're supposed to think about it like it doesn't bother me because i think that this is more effective for the plot than like trying to explain away stuff that doesn't really matter that much because it does add a good complication having you know these opposing forces coming after morbius who actually this time didn't do anything wrong like again classic superhero supervillain storytelling like i love that stuff so like it i think it, it works in this episode's favor to just sort of yeah purpose kind of just just ignore ignore that just brush past that they made the mistake that's all we need to know who you can head cannon now however you want (laughs) it's worth it i mean to be honest like i don't did we ever hmm now i'm wondering did oh yeah morbius did leave marks on people didn't he right yeah yeah he Uh, did like it was uh, right and and they like theoretically should have noticed that those weren't there yeah. and they instead have bite marks somewhere, Damn. which would be distinct. I mean, I guess it, it could also be like 
they know that there's a va- like they could also just be assuming like i mean we don't know if he doesn't also just bite people maybe he just bites people too like they could also just assume <laughs> that because he does yeah he does have fangs anyway right so like they, well, they're not good the at- idea of a classic vampire isn't foreign to people in this universe yeah maybe mm-hmm. they do just ass- like assume he does that also why yeah, you? it's just sort of like what other vampire is there in New York right now? If there's somebody who's had their blood drunk, obviously it's the vampire, like regardless of how it's <laughs> the, done. So actually the, the only living vampire in New York by Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like I actually think it makes, it makes sense. I think, yeah, actually it makes more sense now that I think about it, uh, why they'd come to that conclusion. So Cool. Yeah. I'm glad we talked. Also, it's that. worth it for them to come to that conclusion regardless. Yeah, exactly. It's fun exactly. for us, I think. It it is. Yeah. So, Spider-Man finally bumps into Black Cat, um, who says she needs Whistler's help. And again, tells Spider-Man like, "Just back off on this one. Like on this one specifically, I need to to do this on my own." Um, because Spider-Man feels responsible for creating Morbius, though, he totally ignores her request and just straight up follows her into Whistler's place. And like, clearly, she's she's just like, she's not bothered by it, but it's like, she so expects him to just like ignore what she says that like, she doesn't do anything about it. She's just like, all right, he's here too. Like, I told him no, but all right, let's go, Spidey. really (laughs) is a terrible partner to to her, actually. Like, actually, I do do not blame her one bit for dipping out by the end of this episode, because her, like, I get that she has the hots for Spider-Man, but he seems like just such a nightmare to work with in a superhero capacity, actually. You can totally (laughs) have the hots for somebody, and then their behavior is one of those things where you're like, actually, you're hot, but, like, stay all the way over there. I don't actually... Yeah. actually want to interact with you <laughs> or or you can have the hots for somebody and not want to like work alongside them like absolutely <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean you could Absol- be straight they were up having fun yeah. you know they're just yeah. hooking up yeah yeah but like actually like okay now we have to work on a project together mm, not the same not the same <laughs> yeah, she- yeah. <laughs> they were hooking up she stayed over one weekend and was like oh no <laughs> Right. Oh Pretty no. <laughs> I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so oh actually you made you made a uh a note about it. Do you to the movie that they're showing on the movie theater, I looked mm-hmm. it up and I don't really know what does this have anything to do with anything? Like is it a, I don't do you think, think it's a it reference? Does. It's just a horror movie. I couldn't figure out what the reference would be. Um, yeah. but it's just a horror movie. It looks yeah, creepy. So yeah, apparently it's, it's like fine, but not great. It just looks really creepy. Yeah, the I'm not gonna say the name of the the real name of the movie. I'm gonna translate it to English because I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, it, it translates in English to Eyes Without a Face. Yeah, which is a horror movie about a plastic surgeon who's trying to perform a face transplant on his daughter. That's basically the the gist of the plot. But I don't really know anything more about it. So maybe there's some more fun references. I'm just surprised that there wasn't like a vampire movie reference or something right, like there's that. There's so many they so. could have referenced. So <laughs> right. maybe it's maybe it was just like a movie that somebody in production loved. Although they would have spelled it right if they loved it. Because <laughs> oh, they, they spelled, spelled it, wrong? it wrong. Yeah, they totally did. What's what's uh what what is the mistake in the spelling? They you... uh the second word in the French title starts with a Y and they spelled it with a V. Oh, that might that might have just been like a uh, that could have been an animation thing, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like just it was actually painted on the cell wrong or whatever. Great point. So, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. interesting. No, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna call him a fake fan of uh, Eyes Without a Face. 
That's the choice I'm making today. <laughs> yeah. Is it, a, is it a French movie? Is that what it was? I forgot. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a French, French horror movie. Words are French. Yeah. 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 I'm not even going to try to say it in French. Sorry, everybody. Um, nope. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Me neither. I, okay. I support you. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't missing anything, though. Yeah. That's, it was just it's just of, the one yeah. word I don't know how to say. Like... It's it's the word that starts with a Y. I don't know. Is it Le Yu Sans Visage? All right. I didn't stand actually, with you. I tried. <laughs> no, that actually sounds right though. I I, I would have that's what I, I would have said you. Yeah. Whatever. Why are we spending so much time on this reference that apparently doesn't even <laughs> matter? It doesn't have anything to do with know. anything. I'm intrigued. I looked up where to watch it, yeah. so who knows? Maybe I'll yeah. it back. I mean, it, it is it, it, I I will say not to continue dwelling on this, but it is kind of fun that like <laughs> It's like it the, the past few episodes have sort of been able to like introduce us to like old horror yeah. movies that that I don't I know that. that I would have really thought about. Um, I mean, Basically, like just Bulls, because Whistler works in like an abandoned theater, right? Right, right, yeah. Like Cat People is a famous one. Like I do know of that one. Right, no, I right, still haven't right. watched it, so maybe I still maybe this will prompt me to like finally watch it. But like, yeah, I'd never even heard of this one, and it does sound fascinating, um, if not mm-hmm. a little bit controversial, maybe. So. I don't yeah. know. Maybe we'll check it out. Maybe we'll do a spider bite on the old horror movies that are referenced <laughs> in Spider-Man the Animated Series. That would be such a funny <laughs> little miniseries to do. Actually, honestly, hmm, what do you think on Theater this? Bites. But you know what? Yeah. Wait, what did you call it? Whist- Whistler's Theater Bites. <laughs> Whistler's Theater Bites. <laughs> Great branding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So ch- check out our Patreon maybe for that in the future. I don't know. We'll see. We're probably we'll see. not going to do that. It's probably not. That's actually like a 99% chance that that's not going to happen. But I feel like the know. most likely scenario is like one of us randomly decides to watch and is like, please let me give you the download on this mediocre yeah. French horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, anyway, at this movie theater, which is Whistler's uh, base of operations, um, you know, Spider-Man's there, Black Cat's there. Terry Lee then crashes their conversation, um, which like, oh, yeah, she she knew Blade. She was in with them in the second season. So she's going to know where the base is, too. So it's kind of fun that she's just like, hey, by the way, I'm here, too, y'all. And they're like, well, yeah, OK, I guess we're all in on this, aren't we? And I like it, too, because it creates this sort of diversity of opinion because, like, half mm-hmm. the room wants to kill Morbius. Half the room just wants to, like, sedate him and help him. And so they're kind of arguing about the best way to do that, essentially. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so good. It's so much. I don't know. There's something about it being two people who want, like, two people on one side and two people on the other that makes it so much more effective than just two people disagreeing, you know? Yeah, I think I so, I like too. that it's a group of them disagreeing. And and they all have different reasons for it. And like, like Whistler, mm-hmm. I, I like that's his story, exactly like his, what it is. Yeah, yeah. They, they have different reasons for disagreeing. And like Whistler's at this weird middle space. He's just sort of like, I mean, like I'll help you, but like everything I got is like straight for killing him. So like, I don't know what you want mm-hmm. me to do. Like, <laughs> yeah. even if I wanted to yeah. not kill him, all my cool equipment is just to fucking kill vampires. <laughs> right. So you like, asked for my what? help. I'm literally a vampire killer. <laughs> right, right, right. Like weird position to put me in right now, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Well, despite not coming to a a consensus, the four do set out together in Whistler's van and track Morbius, or who they think is Morbius, to Kishi Electronics. I have no idea why they call this out. Is this a thing I'm forgetting? Was Kishi Electronics relevant at one point in the series? I I don't recognize the name at all. I have no idea why they specifically name this, but they do. So they're at Kishi Electronics, which I'm pretty sure is just like a warehouse with stuff. Yeah, I wonder if Kishi is named after something. Like, I mean, there's a 
prime minister of Japan whose uh, name is Kishi from 19, like the 50s. What does <laughs> anything about this episode have to do with Japan? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or, oh my god, you know what it probably is, Doug? It's 1997. What? They probably were just sort of like... It's electronics company, so it's got to be Japanese, right? And then they just like what sounds Japanese? Japanese <laughs> picked a Japanese name out of a hat, probably. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. I hope it's a reference, but I hope it is too. I went all the way back to our Sunfire episode to be like, is this the weirdest reference of all time? Like, are they referencing <laughs> Amazing Friends, uh, Sunfire's right. electronics company? It's not. That's yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But they end up in this warehouse. I don't know. No idea why it's named. On the way there, though, Whistler and Terry briefly talk about where Blade is now and how Terry ultimately didn't pursue a relationship with him. Or, I mean, questionable. I mean, I guess they didn't pursue a long-term relationship. We did talk about how you can hook up and not necessarily spend a lot of time together. So, um, Yeah, and I think that they could have. but But, yeah, but I think that, I think they fell very hard for each other very fast. So I don't think, uh, I think it is, I don't think this is like an old school morality thing. I think that it is genuinely like, I don't think that they could have hooked up, just hooked up. Cause I think that they were t- already very quickly. I agree. Each other. It's more that I think they pursued or they like fell in love hard and they clearly, as we will see, don't not have feelings for each other <laughs> like yeah they right, would right. given the opportunity perhaps continue to hook up but not actually continue to pursue a relationship with each yeah. other i i think it would <laughs> i think it would be a case where it would be maybe dangerous to hook up because then that would just make the feelings yeah. stronger and make the make them sadder whenever they when they inevitably had to leave each other like i actually right. I, would, I think i would love to see them hook up but i think that maybe yeah. They shouldn't. (laughs) No, I agree with you. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm not endorsing it as like a healthy relationship. Um, But I'm here for a little bit of mess, especially because I love Terry Lee. It'd be nice if she like retired and went private or like independent. Um, But I love some Terry Lee, my bisexual icon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's great. (laughs) She can can have a little bit of this over here and a little bit of this over there and, you know, a relationship here that's open so that she can do this all the way over there like that's you know give me that terry lee (laughs) yeah i hope she's getting laid on the regular she probably is there's no way she's not yeah (laughs) i refuse to accept (laughs) yeah yeah well they do arrive at this electronics place and instead of finding morbius they find miriam and a computer printout of the plans of the neogenic recombinator this bitch needs to stop leaving shit behind yeah, what in the world? How like, she doesn't even like have pockets. Like, where's she carrying these giant papers everywhere? Like, it's probably I why just, she's it, dropping them. <laughs> that's true. She's holding her hand, and just forgets, and just drops it. Like, she hasn't wow, perfected so- the art of shoving things in your crotch, you know, to like keep <laughs> right. them safe and secure. She needs yeah. to like take some notes from Craven. Yes, please, please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, what, what, what criticism about this episode? I know they have to move fast and just get plot points like out of the way very quickly. But like, they really do lean hard on Miriam just dropping the exact clues for where she's going and what she's doing. <laughs> like, right. Here's exactly what you need. Conveniently left behind. Right. Like, is she subconsciously trying to like help let them track her? You know, like they have like, It's it's a little, little sloppy, but whatever. maybe she's into it. Maybe it's more exciting that way. <laughs> you know what sure why not um it's, yeah. Why, yeah they'll take it i also <laughs> this is such a weird thing that i didn't even notice until like my last rewatch of it like when they open the door 
Um, yeah. and you just see like Miriam's shadow over, over like the person, like probably like, feeding on them or whatever. I think it's Whistler. He just like almost like offhandedly, like you barely even hear it because it's so quick. But he just says Nosferatu, and then they immediately reveal it's Why? Her. Yeah. Why? Why does he do that? <laughs> Why does he do that? <laughs> what like, does that I mean, mean? Right. It's sort of like I know what Nosferatu <laughs> means, but it's like yeah, yeah, but no, I thought for you sure. We're very specifically chasing after one vampire, Morbius. Like, why are you right. shouting the name of another vampire or type of vampire <laughs> when and, when they know, thought right? it, and, and they open the door thinking that it's Morbius? It's not until she comes out of the shadows that they realize it's not Morbius. So, like, the Nos- Nosferatu has nothing to do with anything. Like, was he just like trying to be like? By the way, there's another word for vampire that's like based in like another movie that was like sort of a riff on Dracula, like. <laughs> It's Nosferatu. I just want everyone to know that I knew that, okay? Guys, I know vampires, okay? Like, I just want you to know, like, I know vampires. Okay? I work with a vampire, actually. Did you know I work with him, like, every day? We kind of live together, actually. I have a vampire friend. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was so weird. I I, can, I cannot make any sense of it's that. It's so like, It's, it's, all, weird, it's weird, too, because it's like... It's a weird thing for a character to do. And sometimes we talk about like what people are doing in the universe. And separately, sometimes we talk about like why writers do things. This is like, wh- why is the character doing this? Also, why did the writers include this? Like, yeah, what does, like that, it makes no sense from any perspective. <laughs> like, I doubt that that was an ad lib. So, like, did they just, why was no. Nosferatu written in the script in that <laughs> moment? In the script. Was there something mi- I that know. I missed up? Did something get cut? That I, like, I don't understand. No so way. Weird. No way. It really the, is. The, the seventh <laughs> plot line was a Nosferatu plot line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was super gay, and they were like, you know what? It's too much. Mm, yeah, yeah. Gay icon. You know, all those watching. old, yeah, all those old vampire stories. And most yeah, I mean, new have ones. You, have you seen his nails? Like, that? yeah, ap- yeah perfectly managed. Fantastic. Yeah, um, if you're not wearing nails, you're not doing drag. <laughs> so, Nosferatu, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Miriam uh, attacks the group. Uh, but when Whistler mm-hmm. pulls out a sunlight grenade, which is the coolest fucking thing in the world, by the way. Seriously. Um, Blade shows up interrupting their fighting and is like, wait, hold on, guys. Stop, 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 stop. Uh, Miriam's my mom, actually. <laughs> I wish I didn't know that because it would, I mean, I, I don't remember watching this episode if it had any impact on me or whatever, but like, I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> I just wish I could feel that announcement. Yeah, I wonder how that played went like the first time because like yeah, nowadays it's sort of like if Blade's fighting like a vampire queen lady, it's probably his mom. And also, I think that <laughs> literally on Disney Plus, the, the description is like Blade's mom is in town or whatever. Yeah. So like, I think it's very clear. But I would be curious mm-hmm. if you because I'm because you know I mean we talked about it in Blade's first appearance that you know this this is his first this is the first adaptation of Blade ever. You know, um, so a lot of people watching this show only are familiar with him from the last episode he appeared in on this show. Sure. So it, I it certainly would, would have. Yeah. Very justifiably be a surprise for them. Probably the majority of people watching this at the time. And, and there's, you know, no lead up to it at all other than him screaming no at an amulet. Like what the hell mm-hmm. could that possibly mean? So yeah, it is a genuinely wild surprise. And I think there's so much already happening in this episode that like, I don't, I think that you, I, I would make a lot of sense for just to not expect it. And I think pretty be a pretty huge shocker. And I, 
and twist. And like, then you really truly don't know where this episode's going to go after this because suddenly it's like, it was so clear. Like Morbius is the good vampire. Miriam's the bad, bad vampire. Wonder how that's going to go. But now suddenly like you can't just straight up destroy Miriam either because she's Blade's mom. And now Blade's suddenly an antagonist because he's protecting his mom. So like, right. Blade, who is like kind of an ally to Spider-Man, like they've worked together before, like has a complicated relationship with Terry Lee. So like one person who's like very much like don't kill Morbius. Like it just ends up being like so complicated and messy and wonderful. Like they managed to be so good with like the quick sort of um, ways that they communicate, like how complicated this all gets so fast. So I love it. I think it's really nice. (laughs) Yeah. Also love... um when Miriam does use her like telekinesis like intensely and her eyes glow mm-hmm. red, they even include like a laser sound effect every time uh-huh. she looks at something. Yeah. Like just the icing on the cake. <laughs> I laughed so yeah. hard because I didn't even really notice it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really notice it the first time I watched it. And that's just sort of like, wait, <laughs> like it's almost, it's almost <laughs> like, in, like intrinsically built in that if you see something glowing green, there should be a laser sound effect with it. It's you like, simply it makes must. sense. But then it's sort of like thinking about it. Like, wait, but she's just using tele. She's just looking at people with her eyes. Why do they sound like lasers? It's, it's in it's the so tradition silly. of like, it's in the tradition of like Spider-Man having monsters that make weird noises, right? Like didn't, yeah. didn't, was it Spider-Woman that has monsters that make weird noises in that like universal monsters episode? Well, I mean, they those monsters shot laser beams that turned people into their version <laughs> of the monster, which is exactly what this episode does. So, I mean, all Spider Woman throwback, by the way. Um, yeah, it all comes. If back you to haven't Spider listened Woman. to the spy, our Spider Woman episode on Dracula's Revenge, please uh, do. A also, plus watch episode. that episode. Such a fun episode. Yeah. That episode is like legendary. I love that episode it's so great. much. Um, I think it's the last Spider-Woman episode that we have covered so far, Ooh, I think. Interesting. So should be pretty easy to find. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely A plus that one, especially watch it after you watch this episode because the similar- <laughs> the similarities are wild, actually. Yeah, um, strange. They're weirdly similar. But but yeah, no, I, I they probably made weird sound effects in that episode. They at least, the laser, there's a lot of laser, vampire lasers in this episode, I yeah. guess is all I'm saying. As you do. Yeah. Yeah. So Terry Lee is arguing that the only way to stop Miriam is to kill her because Terry Lee is very, very pro killing vampires in this episode, understandably. Mm-hmm. And Blade's and this like, is like immediately after her learning that Miriam is Blade's mother, by the way. <laughs> that's actually very, that's true. I, I just think feel that like that can't point. be ignored. <laughs> Blade's like, no, you can't kill her. She's my mother. And Terry's like, but we have to kill her though. No, but like, we have to kill, kill your mom. Yeah, like we got she was, and she just like uses like a state crossbow too at one point. It's just like <laughs> she wants to kill a vampire so bad. You know what? What this is like 1997. I think Buffy uh-huh. is probably out right now, and she watched oh. a couple episodes of Buffy and just sort of like, okay, okay, here we go. I found oh. my calling. Terry Lee absolutely <laughs> watches Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's no question in my mind. <laughs> That's the most natural thing in the world. <laughs> I buy it. That's that yeah. that add it to the fanfic I'm never gonna write. Terry Lee watching Buffy. <laughs> with who? Who's she watching Buffy with? That's the question. Oh. Um I mean, I wish we ever saw her with anyone other than like Spider Man or Blade. <laughs> Literally anyone else. Spider Man Blade it could or be like her Susan. And Blade. That would be amazing. 
That would be actually very funny. I feel like Blade would have very strong opinions on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, I I definitely (laughs) think that he would. I don't think he would like that show at all, actually. Don't think so. Don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Um, So the fight kind of resumes, except now there's, like, multiple parties intervening with each other. Um, And Miriam attacks and... Does she actually drain Black Cat, or she just tries to? She doesn't actually use compass. Uh, I feel like. Well, I guess. I guess it's it's probably unclear, but I f- I feel like she did. Black Cat's an interesting case, though, because she's like not a normal human. I don't think. I don't. I I want to her. I want her to have not done that, though, because I want to believe that. If a vampire drained a super soldier, that would give them some kind of extra super strength. Because doesn't like doesn't Morbius when he drained Spider Man back in season two, like he remarks on having like extra like a basically an energy boost from Spider Man. Um, yeah, it's like a super hit. Yeah, so like, I, and I don't feel like that's really reflected in this episode. Like, it doesn't feel like Miriam is suddenly stronger after draining Black Cat. So I want to say that she didn't. I think that she. That's fair. She comments on wondering what what like draining a super soldier would be like. Yeah, maybe that's um, maybe that's why I interpreted it that yeah. way. To be fair, like I don't even know that I'm confident that she successfully drained that guy at the start and she still makes it to New York. So I don't fucking true. know. I don't know how she works. Yeah, we really don't do it at all. <laughs> but I think it, I mean in this case it works either way. I don't think it really matters that much if she does or doesn't drain Black Cat, but I think you're right. Like it would be more satisfying if the implication that she was that there was yeah. some sort of reaction to that. So it, it makes more yeah. sense to interpret it as not having succeeded. Right. And Black Cat's like, fine. So like, she, I think that, yeah. you know, <laughs> so I don't think she does. Uh, but, but, you know, the attempt is enough. Um, and also in all of this madness, there's already enough people fighting each other in this one building right mm. now. And if that's not enough, Morbius is like, I'm going to join the fight to you guys. It's Morbin time once again. Um, yeah, give me more. Give me more. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so in all, you know, that only contributes to the madness now. So Miriam's like, all right, peace out. She gets away with the parts she needs to rebuild the recombinator. Uh, and that's when Blade destroys Whistler's tracker and follows her. And everyone else is just kind of left behind to pick up the pieces, essentially. It's wild that this, at least to me, didn't feel chaotic. Like the number of characters no. in this situation with separate motivations and different ideas on what to do. I understand each one of these characters and it never feels like a mess. So like, yeah, you've hit your stride show. Yeah. Right. I think so. Especially like you compare it to like the tablet of time stuff. And it's like with that episode, like you couldn't even keep up. And also, but I think that the problem that the show's had in the past with that, with the chaos is that like, it's like the climax of the episode is where the chaos is, or it's throughout the entire episode. Like the tablet of time was like an entire episode of people kidnapped, getting kidnapped and then kidnapped again, then kidnapping someone else. And every woman on the show getting kidnapped by someone else. So like, (laughs) you know, and this, and in this one, I feel like the most chaotic part of this episode is this one warehouse scene. Mm Because this is the one time that every single character is fighting each other. And it is a very, very short scene. Not a lot really happens. It is a, it's just meant to get everyone in the same room. 
there's like a quick fight sequence and then everyone learns the reveal about Blade's mom and Morbius being around. And that's so everyone has the information that they need for the rest of the episode yeah. to unfold. And so they don't let the chaos like overtake the episode. And I think that that is an important differentiation from what the show's done in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just a matter of like they're doing it better than they have done in the past by figuring out how long they can actually sustain something like this, you know? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So the uh, okay. So the group brings Morbius back to Whistler's place to administer administer a cure to Morbius. That is the that is the goal here. Um, Mm -hmm. Or at least, you know, give him something to not be like weak as hell and dying. Um, yeah. when he gains some of his strength back, Morbius is like, Hey, uh, by the way, I have a psychic link to Miriam, so I could help you find her. We don't need the tracker. <laughs> uh, yeah. so that's pretty cool. I, I like that because they set that up very early with Miriam, yeah. you know, saying she has a psychic link to him. So it like, it makes sense. And then suddenly like, it's a very easy way for Morbius to then quickly be like, established in this group to be useful to them. Like they yeah. have no, they, they can't you know, leave him behind or restrain him or whatever. Like he has to be with them for the final mm-hmm. conversation, which I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's ready to lead them to Miriam. They also argue a little bit over how to handle blade. Cause they still haven't figured that out. And then they all agree mm-hmm. like, well, we're not going to be able to do anything unless we rest. Yep. Go sleep. Go sleepy time. Yes. So they do that. They do rest. And then the next day we see that blade meets up with Terry Lee, Blade apologizes to her. Terry challenges his trust in Miriam, and then they make out, baby. <laughs> good, good for them. Good this for is what them. I'm saying. <laughs> They're not over each other. They're just not good for each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. And this line, oh, this made me so sad. Blade says, "Please don't try to follow me." And Terry says, "Don't worry. I probably couldn't keep up with you anyway." Which gives us just Aww. the tiniest little bit of insight into what their, you know, relationship might have looked like when they yeah. tried. Yeah. Aw. Well, another sad scene. Um, back at Peter oh and Harry. Oh my god. <laughs> this made me so upset. At Peter and Harry's apartment. Yet again, yet again, yet again, yet Jesus, again. <laughs> this makes him feel seem so shitty. Yeah, it's yet again that Harry knocks on Peter's door, like, Harry, uh, Peter, can I talk to you? Peter, I guess to his credit, doesn't like say that he's in, doesn't tell Harry directly, I don't have time, and then disappear. He just says nothing and pretends he was never there at the very least, which is somehow better than what he's done before, which is like speaks to how badly he's handled these situations. Right. Um, he's just like, he literally says to himself, though, like, I, I don't have time for this. And right. then just, like, dips out. But not before, like, noticing that his mask has a uh, cut on it. So he, like, puts his mask hastily in his dr- uh, drawer, puts on another one, and then flips away. Which means that when Harry again opens the door and sees no Peter in his room and is sad again that his best friend that moved in with him to be there for him is again not there to talk to him when he needs him. This time, mm-hmm. not only does he see the open window, but he also sees a Spider-Man mask peeking out of the drawer, which Harry is obviously putting some pieces together in that scene. It's the last that we right. see of him in this episode, but it's definitely like not a good place to leave off of with him. No. I do love this so much, though, because yeah. putting this in this episode instead of next week's episode is such a beautiful step for this show. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's so lovely because it's really just like 
I mean, this isn't the first time they've embraced like telling a story over many episodes, obviously. But this particular mm-hmm. thing where it's like, hey, we're just going to like drop this little thing in here that you don't need to worry about right now. But guess what? It'll blow up in yeah. just a bit. Yeah. If you come I back mean, next pretty, week, it'll be really relevant. It's pretty huge because it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've you been waiting for something like this to happen. And then it sort of does. And Peter doesn't even realize that something pretty big has kind of happened yeah. just because of his own, you know, just because he hasn't really been paying attention. Um, it's yeah, that thing so, Spectacular does so well where like a little thing in one episode has big consequences later. Love it. Right. Love it. Right. But it does right. make Peter look so shitty because it's like, like you mentioned, he specifically moved back in with Harry so the two of them could support each other. Peter not holding up any part of that bargain no. just looks like a freeloading asshole. <laughs> yeah, it really and it doesn't help. Like in this and this is like, you know, it's it's well constructed for just like Peter is making mistakes and those mistakes yeah, will absolutely. come back to bite him. But it doesn't help that like because the show moves so fast, we've literally never seen a single scene of after once Peter moved nope. into Harry's apartment, we've never seen a single scene of them even talking to each other. They have not right. said a single word to each other. It has always been near misses with Harry, which like you know, makes what inevitably happens next week. Like, I think you almost feel more sympathy for Harry because it's like, yeah, Peter was, is, has been a bad friend. We have never seen him do anything good. Maybe he's no. been good to you off screen. Maybe you've had hangout time off screen. Maybe. But we have not seen a single shred of evidence that that ever happened. Right. So we can only believe Harry's side that Peter has been kind of shitty to him. So, <laughs> Which works better anyway for what they're, works, the story they're telling. You know what I mean? Right. It, it ends up working better in the long run. Yeah, for sure. It's just wild because it really feels like Harry or like Peter moved in and then proceeded to not talk to Harry one bit. It's like, right. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, it looks so much worse. Like, I think we All need right, each I'm other, back. Harry. Fuck off. Bye. I think we need each other, Harry. And then spends all of his time in his room or not there at all. And it's like, right. like yeah. Peter yeah. approaches Harry. Harry did not reach out to Peter. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Peter's not a great friend, frequently. So, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh boy, well, back at Whistler's, Whistler gets weird. <laughs> I only just now read what you wrote in these notes. This is great. This is good. <laughs> it's true. I, I need to. Yeah, I need to give Doug massive credit for this because this is the sentence. This is the first sentence that starts this paragraph. At Whistler's, Whistler gets weird about women wanting to fuck vampires instead of him. That's true. It's That's almost what's exactly what he says. He's yeah. he's just like I don't understand why women are so horny for vampires, but not me, bro. Yeah. I mean, you saying that aloud alone is the answer. <laughs> well, also like he's talking like he names two. He's like, what's the attraction you women have to vampires? And then he names he names black oh, black cat with Morbius and Blade with Terry or Terry with Blade, I guess vice versa. Which like right. I guess it's weird that it happened twice around you. I guess I can sort of see that. But, like, how do you then turn that into being about you? Because that is sort of like, well, what am I missing? Am I missing fangs? It's like, what does this have to do with you, dude? Like, what? (laughs) I don't understand. He's just a dude who's, like, (laughs) salty about his roommate getting laid all the time. That's all it is, you know? But, like, you've seen Blade. You've seen this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Is it? Is it a surprise? Like, I don't, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. You're like working with like one of the hottest men on earth. Like I don't, <laughs> right. <laughs> of course. They're, also, bro, course. if you just like look past this, like someone, someone out there is looking for you, but you can't see that because you're so hung up on your roommate getting it. Ugh. 
It was such a weird comment. <laughs> it was yeah, it's so weird. And as far as we can tell, he just like hangs out in an abandoned movie theater all day with his vampire bro like when are women ever gonna find you like i don't like what when when, what what opportunity you hang out in one gonna run into someone (laughs) yeah it's not like you don't have hobbies go find someone with like interests my dude (laughs) yeah 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 weird comment don't like it Really it's off just, on Whistler, or like out on Whistler. <laughs> it seems out of character for the little bit that we've seen of him, too, because he seems like pretty committed. Like, it doesn't seem like he's been seeking out women to date. Yeah. Like, he doesn't give off those vibes. Chill, he dude. seems very committed to the, to the, to the, uh, you know, to the job that they're doing. So yeah. I don't know. It's just, it was weird. Ooh, yeah, I agree. Hated very, it. very, very weird <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, yeah, yes. I, I feel like John Semper wrote that line, not, Meg McLaughlin uh, is is what it feels like to me. But <laughs> I would who knows question mark hope so question mark <laughs> yeah and Black Cat rightfully is sort of like anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> fully ignores <laughs> she doesn't even remark on it one bit fully ignores mm-hmm. it uh, she offers her strength which means she offers her blood uh, to Orbeus in order to right? keep him alive yeah no it's just feed it off yeah. of me this is kind of why I was like. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe people can just like, maybe vampires can just feed off of her, and she's like not that affected by it. But yeah, I guess sure. he would only need a tiny bit of her blood to really like get a boost, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. What if many reasons why they're so good together? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I love this. I love where the episode goes. Basically, from here, oh <laughs> this is where it, it gets. I mean, this was already bananas. plenty fun. But this is where it gets bananas. Um, we see Miriam transform a couple of random punks into vampires. I love when this show does anybody who like dresses or is of a subculture like oh different God. to preppy Peter Parker and his preppy friends. So we see yeah. like a couple punks that she turns into vampires. So now we have vampire punks. Um, so Blade meets up with her and she reveals to him that oh, you want me to become human? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. I'm actually trying to make everyone else a vampire. <laughs> she yeah. specifically says she's trying to create a family of vampires um, that includes transforming Blade from a halfling into a full vampire. Uh, so this is her plan. It is like the lizard plan, but vampires. And I love that. Yeah, I think it's fun. I mean, you know, it's it's a perfect, like... Uh, you know, twist of the knife for Blade. Like he just found his mom, but the tragedy of finding out his mom is like an evil vampire, and then the even bigger tragedy that it's sort of like she also is obsessed with family, just in like the worst way possible. <laughs> like, right? She's just, right. She wants to make a family of evil vampires. So right. He's like, uh-oh. oh, I found my family, and she's like, I'm searching for my family. Like, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of cruel for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, yeah. And my fucking favorite part of uh-huh. this episode, the favorite, my favorite thing about this episode uh-huh. is that so Spidey, Black Cat, Morbius, and Whistler find Miriam's hideout. And where Miriam's hideout is, is this club. And it's a club called the Dungeon. And here's the thing about the club <laughs> that's called the Dungeon mm-hmm. is that the Dungeon clearly, the way uh, one, there are like two sides to the Dungeon is the thing. 
part yeah. of like one side of it is that that people were when writing writing it and creating it and, and animating it clearly had the idea in mind that the dungeon is like a nightclub it's like kind of like rave yes. vibes right it's like a punk nightclub because people in there are like dressed like dress kind of punky they're trying to do like the music that they're doing it's obviously like the fox kids version of like rave music that they're trying to do it's like a you know hardcore right. electronica not full on that, but you know, it's, it's the, the Fox kids version of it, but it's clearly like, that's yeah. the vibe they're going for. So it's meant to be like this, the dark CD nightclub, exactly the kind of nightclub that you would see like in the blade movie eventually. Right. Yeah. That seems to be what, oh, yeah. what it's going for. According to some people who are working on the show, according to other people who are contributing to the animation and writing of it, given what's important is that unlike many nightclubs and raves that I think you probably would expect to see, this is a extremely brightly lit, the most brightly lit nightclub <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Just, they don't even try to like pretend uh-huh. that it's like dark or nighttime in there. This is just full on bright lights and everybody's just dancing. Like, you know, just, just like a, a bunch of college students would. Um, yeah. And in the middle of this like dark CD punk nightclub that isn't dark, not only is it brightly lit, but there's also a giant disco ball in the middle of this nightclub. And it's just, yeah. it's very sparkly. Just, the, uh, just disco sparkles all over this uh, CD punk nightclub. <laughs> here's what I want to believe, Derek. If this doesn't explain away the fact that this is the most well-lit CD nightclub of all time, but I want to believe this is an old disco that has sort of been like, reclaimed and like Ooh. taken over by like the punk subculture or like you know the that. night you know the rave subculture that i could yeah. see you know like I the sort of unexpected that. club that is now like punk because it's outdated and like we've we've made yeah. it our own that yeah, i could see. i kind of love that actually because the thing is the like- disco ball is almost ironic you know <laughs> right, but 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 it's sort of like because the disco ball, it's so like important to the plot of this episode, which uh-huh. insane thing to say. I never would have expected to say in a Spider-Man cartoon, the disco ball is a very important part of the plot. Especially, a disco ball like, is always important to the plot, even yeah. if you don't know it. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. But like the fact that that had to be like written into the script, right? That there had yeah. to be a disco ball for the mechanics of the plot to work going forward. Integral. So like, yeah. So like the disco ball had to be there. So it's sort of like just. Yeah, this interesting mixture of like the place is literally called the dungeon. But I love that idea that like yeah, the disco ball is ironic. Then like I, I like that that it's that a relic. sort of headcanon that it's yeah, it's like a fun relic of like days gone by that these like '90s punks are sort of like reclaiming essentially. Yeah. Like you know what, man? Like, Maybe disco balls are fucking cool actually because they're so uncool. <laughs> like when you take a church and turn it into like a concert venue, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you don't yeah, like yeah, totally yeah. gut it. That. It's like ironic because it's like still got like weird uh-huh. religious iconography, and you're like, you know, like atheist punks. <laughs> Yeah, I love that take, actually. That's kind of fun. That makes me really like the dungeon a lot. Like, I thought it was just hilarious I would that this go thing there. existed. And just the idea of, like, a I 90s... I mean, you're right about sat- how it probably existed, but... <laughs> yeah, but just the idea that it's just... I love, like, the idea of, first of all, like, the Saturday morning cartoon in 97 being like, and then they go to a vampire punk nightclub. Like, it's sort of like, <laughs> you were never gonna... Why did you think you would ever pull that off? You would never pull that off. And yeah, the truth there's is no that, way like, to communicate that on this show. <laughs> Right. There's no way they could possibly do that. This this like this like oversaturated show that like is always the bright the most the brightest colors ever. Um 
Yeah, the, but but I think they like accidentally accomplish it by making it just so fucking weird. Like I love <laughs> I love how bizarre yeah. it's the dungeon and it's they're all punks, but there's a disco ball. It's so good. It's just I mean, really, so they benefited from deciding that like these needed to be punks. Honestly, like if they hadn't made that choice, yeah. I wouldn't have come to this conclusion. That's true. No, that's so true. It's the punks and the fact that they call it the dungeon. Those those yep. two aspects suddenly make it like this weird, like con- you know, this weird like confluence of weird elements yeah. that don't make sense together. But yeah, it's true. If they were just drawn to be their typical preppy character models, um, and it wasn't called the dungeon or they didn't call it that, and even if the music was still the same, I feel like you would just receive it differently. Then you'd just yeah. be like, oh, it's just a, like a bunch of weird – this is for some reason a disco club that's in the middle of New York. Club, and we yeah. would be making fun of it for that, for being a weird throwback <laughs> to disco. But just by making the punks and calling it the dungeon, then it's sort of like, oh, there's something odd going on here. This is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Guess I buy it. I'd go back. <laughs> it's so funny. I love the dungeon. I love the dungeon so much. Yeah. It's so great. Uh, anyway what's happening at the time they've just arrived all they've done is arrive we're here to dance yeah we're here to dance obviously they're here to party these four don't even pretend to Um, dance they don't even like dance their way through the club they just storm through the club that's so true that's so true Nobody really pays them any mind. Does like someone maybe makes like one I comment think, to them oh, or yeah, something right. like cool. I think somebody turns to Spider Man and says, "Cool outfit." <laughs> the least yeah, like which is extra rave appropriate outfit. Well, Whistler is probably wearing like a polo shirt, but like of the super powered people, there easily the least appropriate for a rave. Yeah, like Black Cat would make Black Cat's like all decked yeah, out got in leather, leather like and fur on her boots. There. Oh, oh, Derek, Derek, I meant to mention this weeks ago, and I forgot. And this is my last chance. Yeah, I noticed something that I feel like I normally wouldn't have noticed, and that is that Black Cat, like they don't just imply that her suit is leather; they add leather sounds to when she moves, and it's yeah. so cool. Yeah, <laughs> and do. it's prominent enough that I like, yeah. kept noticing it and kept meaning to bring it up, and I kept forgetting to bring it up. I mean, there are other characters on the show like Blade who look like they're wearing leather, but they don't do that for him. They just do it for Black Cat. Yeah, well, because you have to know that she's wearing skin tight leather. The, 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 it's the, the, so tight. The, the men working on the show need you to know how tight that leather is. Which is bullshit because you know that Blade's pants are so tight. Oh, and you know that you know the Blade's pants make so much noise. Those are the loudest totally. pants in the world. <laughs> leather pants yeah. are not quiet at all. They're no. the loudest no. pants ever made. And yeah. he's got like buckles and stuff, I think. Or maybe oh, yeah, I'm just he, putting buckles on his jacket. No, I think he but but, but I mean I think he, he jingles because he's wearing like he a biker's jacket. Yeah, he's wearing a biker's jacket. He jingles. He definitely he jingles. He, he jingles. makes whatever the squeaky loud <laughs> leather sound is. Like Blade is a very loud person. He is not he is not going anywhere stealthily, no matter. You know, I mean, you know what? He rides a motorcycle, motorcycles are loud. He probably he, that dude also definitely go. has like a very heavy gait. Like you know that every step he takes is very loud. <laughs> this is the loudest man in the world. Blade is not stealthy. I think that that has to be firmly no. established. That man squeaks and jingles, okay? <laughs> He's probably wearing boots. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway, I had to, it was, this was my last chance, I think, to bring up, or hey, maybe last chance for just a while, but to bring up the leather sounds of Black Cat. A perfect time to bring it up, though, because this is a very leather-clad episode. You got Morbius and Blade in it. Yeah. Like, come on. And, and yeah. you got a nightclub. Like, le- yeah. the leather talk is very appropriate here. If if this show could have <laughs> taken it a step further, some of these punks would have had a harness on, or, or at least, like, that leather, the leather cap on and stuff. Oh, so, man. Like, Whistler should have been like, we're going to the club and changed into his harness. 
He should have. He should Whistler have. would no never. Wonder, Whistler no can't if, get over the fact that like women want to fuck vampires. There's no I way that he owns a harness. He's closeted. He needs to let loose. Problem. He is closeted, and I think he is overcompensating. That's where the that is where the comment came from about women That's is that he's is. sort of like. This is how straight men talk, right? Well, you have you have a girlfriend. I wish I had a girlfriend. I love women and boobs. The I, only reason I amazing. don't have a girlfriend is because I'm not a vampire. Okay, don't worry. Yeah. That, that's the only don't, reason why. Don't read into it. Don't think about it further. That's the only reason. I'm just really busy with vampires. It's just too much, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, he, I'm really into my work. <laughs> he has been to the dungeon in on leather night before. He's been to the dungeon on leather night and underwear night, probably. So he just doesn't want to yeah. talk about it yet. Uh, That's why he charged through with such confidence and comfort. Because he knows he's been there before. He knows he knows the exact route regular. to get into the basement of the dungeon. <laughs> he's, he's been, been to, the, to ba- the dungeon been at to, the dungeon. <laughs> he's been to the basement many times. That actually is his per- preferred place to go. <laughs> There's a cage that literally has his name on it. God, we I think we fixed Whistler actually. We have like fully transformed and repaired this character on this podcast. Suddenly Whisk- Whistler is a good character actually it turns out. I guess so. I still hate what he's he let's let's you know. Like, the reality let's not use it, that excuse again Whistler, but yeah. but okay, I'm here for In it. universe, we have we have fixed Whistler. Out of universe, a bad thing to have been written on this show. <laughs> I think that, Bingo. that that does not go away. Bingo. Whistlers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still manifesting incorrectly in places where he's not comfortable, but where he's comfortable, <laughs> you get yours, Whistler. Yeah, yes, yes. You get in that cage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I trust that he'll be better in the future now that he's, uh, you know, now that everyone's seen how he, how he spends his time at the dungeon. Um, I'm just going to assume that they had, they learned everything about him while they were here, uh, for these like three minutes that they spend at the dungeon for the end of this episode. Um, so yes, they go to the basement of the dungeon, uh, where Whistler has been many, many times and Miriam's there. (laughs) They try to stop her from escaping with her accommodator, but they can't, uh, and like she does shoot it off, but instead of shooting it at a person, she shoots the recombinator laser at the disco ball. And because the neogenic Hell recombinator yeah. shoots lasers, we know how lasers work. When they hit mirrors, they reflect. And since the disco ball is many mirrors, I don't know why I'm explaining pew, pew, pew. the science of how this works, but many lasers <laughs> come off of the disco ball, which means that many people are hit with this vampire neogenic recombinator laser beam. Ergo, many people turn into vampires so we now have vampire punks vampire punk club full of vampires who have been again i can't understate it or no sorry the reverse of that i cannot overstate that these (laughs) punks were turned into vampires because of a laser reflected off of a disco ball truly the coolest way to become a vampire in my opinion (laughs) i love it i am obsessed with it it's so silly. It is so silly. Like, this is like the the pure camp of this episode that otherwise is not campy. It is so absurd. And it is so it's funny. It's so straight. And I love though. it so like, much. It, and it's played it's like, so straight. Yes. There's nothing absurd about it. And camp, you know, camp is like a weird, complicated, nuanced thing. But, like, it just, like, it's everything is so sincere. Like, it is just yeah. so. Everything plays out exactly in the way that they, like, intend for it to in, yeah. like, as serious as this show can be like it's, yeah. it's really it ups, incredible it, it, it ups the stakes there's an army of vampires and right. it's serious <laughs> right. that are, they're attacking right. and like genuine threat of, 
<laughs> also, Spider-Man sees this absurd series of events unfolding, and his reaction is just incredible. That's what he says. <laughs> like with that, with that, with you that. Know what? Yeah, I said the same damn thing though. I mean, true, true, true. You know what? Actually, what other reaction is there to this? <laughs> it's pretty incredible. <laughs> so good. Oh my god. Uh, well, I guess the other way you react is by busting out your lightsaber because that's what Blade does. God, this episode <laughs> rules. Actually, that he has that. I forgot about I his lightsaber know. too. This episode. Rules. Yeah, he has a lightsaber, and then Whistler uses a grenade, but not the sun grenade. Some sort of like weird anti-vampire gas grenade. So, it like, is it a garlic filled, grenade? It's filled with garlic. It has got to be filled with garlic. Okay. that's definitely. They don't explicitly say that. He just shouts to Blade to cover his face. Um. And it wasn't the sun like I expected. Ultimately, though, it's chaotic. They're attacking vampires. There's a lightsaber. So Miriam and her new gang of vampire punks all flee. They all fly out of the club. Yeah. I don't remember if it's, it's here great. or maybe it's like right after. But like there's one point when Blade has the quip, not on your afterlife, before throwing Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I do love I that. Yeah. Yeah. There's it's one good. more grenade. So it could be that. It might be the next grenade, but at one point he says not on your afterlife, and it's very funny. <laughs> Surprising number of grenades for an episode without the Punisher, I must say. And without yeah. a goblin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating, actually. <laughs> yeah. Grenade heavy. So <laughs> Spider-Man, Black Cat, Blade, and Morbius follow the new vampire game to the top of some nearby tower. Maybe the, maybe it's a tower of the club. Who knows? Um, and Blade blasts the whole crew with a sunlight grenade. I don't know if this is where that line is. Regardless, that line's amazing. This gives Spider-Man the chance to knock the recombinator from Miriam's grasp. It crashes to the ground. It explodes on impact. And apparently when it explodes, it like unleashes a blast of recombinator laser light uh which unvampires all of miriam's brand new baby vampires which is very sad i liked the vampire punks yeah it's just funny that that's just how it unfolded a sunlight grenade <laughs> and somehow somehow the recombinator blowing up made them unvamp like it doesn't yeah it like really the sunlight make- grenade like knocks them out of the sky like if you like yeah i guess like impact grenaded a flock of birds or something <laughs> Oh my god! I love that's what you bring. Impact grenaded a flock of birds. <laughs> well, I was thinking of like birds falling out of the sky, but then realized like that normally doesn't happen with grenades involved. <laughs> yeah, I hope I would hope not. That seems very cruel and awful. <laughs> no one try that. I don't want to know the results of that experiment. Yeah, Nobody, I don't endorse. Don't 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 throw an impact grenade into the sky at a pack of flying birds. There's no analog. Okay, there's no analog no, there, for what happened really in this episode. There shouldn't be really. It is also like it. It's 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 very silly. I don't. Mind, I mean, there's too much in this episode, so they they had to do it this way. But like, it is kind of funny that like so many characters have been transformed by the neogenic combinator and they're like searching for for a cure or like a way to turn back to their human self and this episode posits that if you just destroy the recombinator soon after being hit by it then immediately you're just cured like that was the answer I all along they didn't do anything <laughs> any to sense. the recombinator to reverse the effects of the right. light laser blast whatever it's just like they got hit with it again and that just undid it like it just negated it right right it's just, yeah. I don't know. I'm also, I wish this is not the show to do this. And I don't know if we've watched the show to do this other than maybe like 
Ultimate could probably get away with this. I just wish that this resulted in like, yeah, Miriam's obviously going to get defeated, but could there just be like a gang of like vampire punks that now just live in the city? Like it's just a reality of living in New York City is that like there are gangs of vampire punks. I want that reality. I think that would be so much fun. It'd be fun. Yeah. Kind of like the Joker gang, but it's vampire punks. (laughs) Sure. I could see that. (laughs) That'd be fun. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, you know, this is fun. Michelle Nichols's delivery when all of her vampire children are lost to her. I love her delivery of my beautiful children lost to me again. Is <laughs> that she like again. flies away? It's so good. Like it's like again, like it is right on the line of being really hammy, but like she's so committed to like being this character. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, Blade. We get one passionate kiss with Terry uh, before he dips out to follow his mom. And it's very sad. One of my notes just says, mm-hmm. oh, poor Terry. Um, she's like crying. They make a point to just not yeah. imply crying. Like there are tears streaming yeah. down her face. Full yeah. cold play. Like it is a mess. It's very wet. Yeah. Her beautiful blade is lost to her again. <laughs> That's what she said, too. Yeah. 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 And Black Cat decides that she's also going to help go after Miriam, um, particularly because, like, they they have had this sort of thread in this episode where, like, Cat and, and Morbius are, like, talking about him, you know, being able to sustain himself on, like, you know, the the stuff that Whistler gave him, right? And Black Cat's sort of like, well, maybe if you, like, had somebody by your side traveling with you then it'll be easier, right? So, like, there's sort of your justification that's sort of, like, if she's going to be tangled in the life of a vampire anyway, then, like, might as well go after the other vampire with that other vampire that's also going to be with your vampire. Like, there's she's just in the <laughs> vampire world as it is. So, like, yeah. just, like, follow along the vampire story. Um, Spider-Man's like, okay, now. well... Yeah, and Spider-Man's like, okay, well, I'll help too. And she's like, no, no, I'm not asking you to do that. Actually, <laughs> I'm asking you to specifically to not do that. I'm trying to tell you that I am leaving. And she even says, like, she's like, uh, you know, my powers are needed elsewhere. She talks about how, like, she's learned, like, I've learned that with great power comes a greater responsibility. And Spider-Man's like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Um, and oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah yeah which is funny it's like i didn't teach you that oh god what um <laughs> and she's like well my powers are needed elsewhere but spidey you are definitely needed in, in new york and you know and it's not like like it is it is clearly like this is not easy for her she even tells him that she loves him which i don't think that she has outright said that yet like she's flirted with him but this is the mm-hmm. first time she's ever said i love you spider-man um before you know she thwips off which he's obviously right. heart heartbroken about um because you know that's like kind of like the the dagger right in his heart but he's got to let her go because she's got to leave and the episode ends with black cat and warbius finding blade and they're sort of like hey we're gonna work together and help you find miriam and blade's like whatever i don't care and the leaves and they're like he'll care eventually so they follow him anyway yeah. um and Spidey and Terry Lee, it's really sweet. They're just like sitting on the curb, just like crying about the two people that they loved just leaving at the same time. Yeah. And and and, and I love that. I love that they're bonding over that. This is where you could have put the thing about why is love so complicated? This mm-hmm. would have made so much more sense. I know this yeah. episode as a whole isn't about love, but like 
it would yeah. make sense with the last beat here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it is, it is kind of funny. Like Spider-Man has, makes an offhanded comment at, you know, where it's just like, yeah, where did it go wrong? Like black cat's gone. Fel- Mary Jane's gone. Felicia's gone, which like the Felicia thing is an interesting wrinkle. Cause like the last I checked, she was just like going out of town for like, what was it? Wasn't it just like a concert or a meeting or something like that. So like, yeah, not long. I am very curious how Felicia tried, like, I don't think we're ever going to learn it, but I am very curious how no. Felicia was sort of like, um, I'm just going to stay out of town. I just decided to stay here where I am. Like, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, like what does he think she's doing? Right. Right. Cause he's just like, she's gone. And I'm like, but as I thought last time I checked, as far as you know, that she is coming back. So I, uh, but we're never going to know. They just kind of ask you to just forget about that side of things. No, they want, they want to throw that in there so that it's like a whole package or whatever. But like, I don't know. We have no idea. Yeah. And like, they're not in a relationship. Well, <laughs> and, but I think that does kind of open up, but he is by one. like opening or he's like trying to, he like considers her potential for like someone to lean on. Yeah. They just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Yeah. But also, yeah. Right. And, and, but it also like, I do think it kind of weirdly opens up something that the criticism that I do have in this episode is like, I do think for this being black cat's departure, it makes sense, but I do think she, because there's so much happening, she kind of does get the shaft a little bit in that she really just doesn't have a lot of screen time. I feel like most of her, most of the action was like happened in the last episode for her. Like I understand the idea of like, she never got over Michael and now both of them are like big old freaks now. So like they actually are kind of better, better for each other now than they were before so like it makes sense that like both of them are going to end up together like they are like you know the end game ship and they're going to kind of leave town together like i am okay with all of that like how it actually concludes um but like i think i don't know the the sort of like not knowing exactly what felicia's secret identity what they're doing with that is sort of like yeah because we really don't spend enough time with Felicia as Felicia or as black cat in this episode. So like, there's a lot that they have to wrap up with her that like just sort of gets left on the table, I think because there's too much other vampire stuff happening. So then by the time she leaves, she's just sort of like, like, I mean, I get it, but like, I don't know. I feel like I wanted one last adventure with her and her and Spider-Man and her like really learning to be hero. Like I get it in the broad strokes and I get the idea intellectually that like, you know, this was something very personal to her and this sort of helped her sort of become this, you know, the sort of solo hero that she is and stuff. And it resolved the past romance thread that was like probably the most important storyline that she had on the show until the black cat stuff. Like I get all that intellectually, but like, I'm not really satisfied with it. I feel like it just wasn't enough of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. She deserved a better send off. Like I don't disagree with that at all. Like she absolutely deserved um, a more dedicated send off. And I feel like if this were a uh, a show that wasn't in the 90s or was like on a different release model or something like that, um, or just a show that was not as um, committed to like one particular perspective, we might have, this wouldn't necessarily satisfy what we're talking about, but we might have gotten like a three-part episode that's like just these folks doing their thing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, that then might have given at least a little bit of a better send off or something a little bit more satisfying with Black Cat. Um, but we'll just have to wonder and we'll just have to be bummed that we didn't get a better send off. Yeah. I, I, I feel like the idea would have been like having this episode, but instead of black cat immediately leaving with Morbius, like he leaves. And then the next episode is her wrapping, like is her, you know, 
another one more last adventure and then she decides at the end of that like actually i think i'm going to leave to join morbius or something because you know it just, doesn't even just, have to be that it can be that she already decided but there's like one last thing that they have to do together before she yeah. can actually get away and out of the city you know right right because it's just it just feels so rushed in the end and it's like you know i'm i'm sort of so so on the idea of like black cat the reason that they write black cat off the show is like just to be with another guy like that's kind of a bummer but but I understand how they get to that point because it makes sense because yeah, the Morbius okay stuff is, with it, is given everything yeah. we know about what's gone like gotten to this point. Right. You know what I mean? It's so especially because it's, so, it's not like just a new guy; it's like the guy. You know? Yeah, it is so integral to like what Felicia's story has been on this show, and like again, like was the Morbius storyline was genuinely like the most important story that Felicia had until the Black Cat stuff happened. So like it makes sense to just sort of merge those things together, and that's part of the course for the types of stuff that this types of things the season has been doing with sort of like merging you know different storylines and threads together so like i am here for that as the end game here um i think like it just it it makes too much sense to to disregard it you know even if i wish she had been able to do more stuff that had nothing to do with men but it's 1997 whatever um but god i just uh i just i've loved the black cat this season i've loved the black cat stuff this season so much that like i can't as much as i like this episode and as fun as this episode is and wacky as it is i just like i can't shake like the sort of weird feeling of like that was the last black cat episode though like no i get uh... you i get you i think i i don't know why but i have an easier time separating like this is a fun episode and i really really like it and like she deserved a better send off because I feel yeah. like that better send off could have happened independently of this episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like like you said, it could it could have been next episode, um, and if they had done that, it would have changed barely anything about this episode. It just would right. have changed how it how it ends. You know? Yeah. So. Right. Right. I'm okay kind of separating them, and for me, it doesn't like impact the general overall thing. But I have the same sour feeling and. Uh, a sour taste uh, in my mouth for sure. I, I yeah. fully agree with the the send off point. Yeah, yeah. But outside of that, fun as hell episode. <laughs> it really is. It's so wild. I mean, testament. Like normally, not normally. It's like if if we go this long, we either really have problems or we're having a blast. And luckily, this is one where we had a fucking blast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this one's just yeah. so much fun. There's weird shit in here. There's weird shit in this episode we have not ever seen, and we just are not going to see again in this show. Like it's just yeah. so like yeah. fucking the Although, dungeon. We're not going to see the dungeon again. I mean. No. I don't think. <laughs> I doubt it. But it is funny, though. Like, the one thing we have seen before is, like, vampires with laser beams that turn other people into vampires with their laser beams. Weird that that has happened before on another yeah, show. That's not the podcast. thing. Wild that that's, <laughs> that's a thing that has you. happened before. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, truly yeah. bizarre. <laughs> Look, every episode we cover, we learn more about what is actually essential to Spider-Man uh, and his story. And vampires shooting lasers to create more vampires is clearly integral <laughs> wild so fucking funny clearly in the dna of spider yeah. people yeah <laughs> i forgot we didn't do the face Beautiful. of the episode yet i totally skipped over that um i pulled the face of the episode that i pulled i just it's not a it's not a bad face or anything like that it's just it's funny it's just blade's face but it's funny in context because it's like blend blade confronts miriam uh just tell her that you know she's her she's his mother he says like look into my eyes see that i tell the <laughs> truth but like 
the thing is like it's blade so he's like his face never changes it always is the exact same scowl mm-hmm. that he always has and his face is like very distinctly drawn because he has like those he has like the eyebrows kind of similar to how kingpin's eyebrows are yes like, I, have, now i can't stop seeing them whenever yeah. they do one of these like detailed faces on somebody who's like supposed to be intense they do the eyebrows even though these characters yeah. don't like always have them because the animation's not consistent enough you know mm-hmm. but now i can't stop seeing them on these characters yeah, it's very funny, but it's just, it's funny. Look into my eyes and then his face does not change and his eyes are just like angry. It's like, I just I, mm-hmm. I find that funny. It's a, it's a, I like, I like how distinctly drawn his face is. It's good. Yeah. I like that his helmet looks like a Tron helmet. It kind of does. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a fun one. I like yeah, that fun one a lot. One. Fun one. Did not expect to like that one as much as I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I already forgot the last thing we said. So no transition. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash wall of big web snappers where we will absolutely have spider bites all about those old uh, horror movies that are referenced in Spider-Man, the animated series. Every single one. That's really the majority of the content on there is just old horror movies that are referenced (laughs) in Spider-Man. I mean, actually, that sounds pretty fun, to be honest. I was going to say, don't make that promise. Somebody will be excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, probably not. But you never know. Um, Mm. We got stuff on there that I'm sure you'll like either way and also check out our discord there's a link in the show notes if you want to chat with us and other listeners of the show but otherwise you want to find us and everything we're working on where can we find you doug you can find me basically anywhere under the username icky bully i-c-k-y-b-o-o-l-e-y it's a nonsense word so i get to claim it everywhere so whether that's instagram or tiktok or twitter or whatever is currently alive uh, search for me at Icky Bully. Um, also, if you like Pokemon, uh, you can listen to me on Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Um, and you can listen to me on Novel Gaming, a podcast about books and video games that I do with my friend Katie. What about you, Derek? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my podcast, Gimmicks, which looks at the high-concept, experimental, structure-breaking, gimmicky episodes of television. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts, as well as on uh, Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. If you would like to uh, find Walloping Web Snappers on, oh, wait, nope, nope, I skipped. I scrolled away and then I scrolled back and realized that I just <laughs> skipped plugging. You can keep all that in because I skipped plugging Falling with Style, which is our monthly podcast uh, where, we di- where we did a deep dive into every Pixar film chronologically. You look at all episodes of Falling with Style wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com, which is a full archive of both Walloping Web Snappers and following with style episodes and it's very easily sortable and an easy way to look up all of our faces the episode and cool images and additional stuff as well you can follow walloping web snappers across social media at walloping web pod or email us at walloping web snappers podcast at gmail.com of course rate review and subscribe on all of our podcast platforms and next week Harry Osborne takes on his father's mantle in the episode Return of the Green Goblin. It's okay. He just becomes like CEO of Oscorp and nothing bad happens. It's yeah, that's all. That's no all. big deal. That's what I mean. It's a, it's a very I mean. business oriented episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All about yeah, stocks no. and board meetings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You got it. Get Can't hot. wait. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> Bye.
thought you were going to say ahoy. Ahoy! No pirates this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh.